At this point in my journey, my yacht has taken over my life. I feel I've reached the point of no return. All the important decisions have been made. My creative workshop, the beach club, the command center, the endless pool, these are all set in stone. At this very moment, Tano and his team are rendering my dreams into a blueprint, crunching the numbers to ensure my yacht actually floats. In the film world, when a production reaches the stage when no more changes can be made, it's called picture lock. Right now, we're at yacht lock. But I still have some questions, lots of them in fact. Now that all the design decisions have been made, my focus shifts to seemingly trivial things like software updates and insurance, spare parts, and you know, maybe a navigation system that will help me avoid rogue icebergs and shallow reefs. Because as I understand things, a yacht just like a house is an investment and it requires continuous upkeep. And if you're someone like me, planning to explore great surf breaks and travel to some of the most inhospitable places on earth, it kind of helps that your yacht, no matter how big or small, is always in top form. Today, we're gonna get serious about the nitty gritty, the details. Welcome to episode six of FedShip Uncovered. Money must be funny. I'm back at FedShip headquarters for a quick catch up with Marsha. She's been my main contact throughout the design process, but I've been speaking mostly with Tano and his team, so it's been a little while since we've spoken, and she immediately wants to know how my visit went with Captain Alex and his yacht. It's so much bigger inside than it looked outside. It was big outside. Do you make the owners put on those little plastic slippers as well, or do they get to walk? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> okay, then I feel better. I was, I was, I, no one would tell me the truth on the. Of the oh, and, and you were lucky; you didn't have to wear gloves. Okay. Some owners will make you wear gloves as well to keep everything pristine on the inside. Yeah, they kept a good eye on us. That's for certain. Walking around, I mean, it's pretty mind blowing. It's uh, everything about that yacht, uh, the crew area and stuff. It's it's. It's like a chic hotel, so it was it was it was quite nice. Uh, I'm not allowed to tell you a whole lot of details, though, as you know, <laughs> get in trouble. I, I think it's really great that you also saw the areas like the crew area. Did you also go into the engine room? The engine room was great. It was. I mean, I, I think I compared it to a microbrewery. It was squeaky clean, and I found my captain. Uh, captain oh. Alex is my guy. Okay, uh, <laughs> a captain can make or break your uh, experience on board. Yeah, that's what I understand. I, I think I underestimated the role of the captain. Um, I mean, he's a pretty important person in terms of hiring the crew mm -hmm. and just kind of keeping everybody happy. Yeah, happy crew, happy boat. For us at Fitship, if we look, what can we do to make a happy crew? Is build an amazing boat that they are comfortable on, that they can maintain easily that they can really work on because then they're happy and that will translate to how they uh, are with the guests. It was a really nice boat. I mean, there were some yachts parked out there, but I went on the biggest one. I think you guys <laughs> you guys got me onto the right yacht, I think. Well, I think if you're thinking about, like, let's say your captain and, and your crew and what you can do for them, um, that's a lot of the, let's say, the operational side of the yachting. And there's this part that we you design your yacht, you build your yacht, and then you're going to use your yacht. And your crew and your captain are going to be really busy with making sure everything is run amazingly. 
in, in such a way that you actually, as the user of the yacht, as the owner, you shouldn't notice it. Um, and they need help for that. So from FedShip, we have our whole uh, refit and services team who really help the captain and the crew to maintain that boat to the absolute best level. So it would be interesting to have just a chat with uh, my colleague Pierre to see what they do to add on to that and, and what happens with your boat after it's delivered. This is a moment where I think I'm done with my yacht, but it's just beginning, right? Oh, absolutely. The journey is just beginning. How do most people jump into this phase? Is this a happy moment for the owners or is it a sad moment? Well, usually um, before they even come to us with wanting a yacht, they imagine where they want to go with that yacht. All the trips they're going to take, all the experiences they're going to have, all the quality time with their friends and family. And that will finally start when the boat is delivered. That's when the adventures really start. And I understand there's like this Fedship Owners Club. Do I qualify for that? <laughs> we have a Fedship Heritage Fleet, which is an owner's club, but that's uh, for yachts that are 30 years and older. So that will little, take a little time before you qualify for that one. But we, have, uh, we do have special um, events and experiences for our owners, bring them together. Uh, a lot of them know each other, but quite a few don't. So we have uh, special events where we meet everybody up and, and just do amazing things. First, I have a meeting with Pierre, the director of FedShip's refit and services team. Having a super yacht can be daunting, right? It's not just the whole build process, but also, you know, what comes after it. You, you, you build and you, you, you have the yacht to, uh, to go and enjoy it. Uh, but there's a lot that comes, uh, comes with that. And that's why we exist, FedShip Refit and Services. So you've come to the right place. Okay, here's something you should know about me. Whenever I buy anything new, whether it's a bike or a surfboard or a couch or even a merino wool sweater, I become absolutely fixated with avoiding the first scratch, the first snag, the first ding. It doesn't matter. And I know this is irrational. I know it makes no sense. But the way I see it, damage represents to me a point of no return. The object of my affection is no longer a new object and I can no longer return it. It's forever and unapologetically mine. Now translate that feeling I have for a small shiny object like an iPhone to an 80 or 90 meter super yacht. A super yacht that is susceptible to everything nature throws its way. Radical temperature swings, unpredictable currents, cyclones, salt water, baseball sized hail, whales, icebergs. Not to mention the dangers of just pulling into a crowded Mediterranean harbor in the summer. You know, kite surfers, other sailboats, jet skis, and yes, even drones. I totally get why owners commission scale models of their yachts for the offices and libraries. Scale models don't get dented. Real yachts do. And because real yachts do, FedShip has a refit and services team. The intention that we have is really quite simple. Look, you, you have the yacht, and why do you have it? Because you want to enjoy it, right? You want to enjoy the quality, you want to enjoy uh, an amazing time on board and create experiences, and really, you know, having the yacht as such is not why you're building it. You're having it to use it, and that's why we're here. So what I will try to help you with is make sure that the quality that you came to FedShip for in the first place is maintained throughout, you know, your enjoyment of the yacht, but also that the yacht is available whenever you need it so that whatever maintenance and repairs we have to do, we do it in a way that you are not troubled by it. 
Um, and then perhaps also important, I uh, am aware that you are spending a significant uh, budget to acquire the yacht. Uh, and that's also my job to ensure that the value of the, the yacht that you are buying uh, stays as high as possible. Because uh, let's face it, it's, it's also a bit about money. It's kind of funny because I never thought of the yacht as an investment, of course, a lifestyle investment, but I always kind of felt like cars, the minute it rolls out the store, the lot, it depreciates by 40%. Does it appreciate in value? How does that work? It, in fact, to be honest, it first normally does. So so these are figures that are based on, you know, it's not a scientific confirmation, but what we see in the market is that you are building your fetch ship that takes a number of years. Uh, so the couple of years straight after delivery, the value of your fetch ship would typically be higher in the resale market than, than the amount you paid for it when you bought it with us, just because of the direct availability of it. And then, of course, like any asset, it slowly starts to depreciate. But research shows us that fetch ships, first of all, depreciate the least of all super yachts. We, we often see old fetch ships being sold for the same money that they were bought for uh, 20 years earlier. So... Um, yes, it's an asset that will depreciate. Yes, it's an asset that will cost you some money. But uh, if you do it right, then, uh, then it should not be a terrible pain. Okay, so doing it right means the upkeep. What are some of the things I need to do as a, as a yacht owner? Well, what, what's important is that as a yacht owner, you should have realistic expectations. And that means that a yacht, like any you know, smaller boat, if you've ever had a boat before, you'll know that, that it requires continued care. What you should really try to do is leave that with others, like us and your, your captain and your management team, to ensure that we can take care of that without you being bothered by it. So Fetch Brief and Services basically exist for that. We want to ensure that your maintenance and repairs are organized in such a way that it doesn't bother you. You have peace of mind. Why? Because you know that you have access to the best team at Fetchip and that's taking care of you. At the end of the day, you want your Fetchip to be maintained by the guys that build her because uh, you know those craftsmen and experts know exactly what they're, what they're doing to your boat. I like the idea that the same people who build my yacht are also responsible for its upkeep. I like that continuity. Plus, I assume they know all the insides and outsides of my yacht, which you know, maybe speeds up the process a bit. But when I'm out at sea all alone, all I really want to know is who's going to help me fix the problem. So uh, once my yacht is delivered, you're maybe the second most important guy in my life after my captain. <laughs> that is probably true. And it's it's funny that you put it like that. And I would hope it's not me, but it's one of the guys in my team or, or ladies. So once you leave here, there's there's uh, a, a virtual surrounding. You go into there. It's called My Fetch Ship. And what you will find there is what we call My Hero. And your hero is the person in the Reef and Services team that you can call. And they will know everything about your yacht. They will be in daily touch with your captain and crew. Uh, and they are your point of contact for anything that you'd like from Fetchip. And that could be help if something breaks down in the middle of the night and the middle of the ocean, which in, normally you would not be on board, but also any other kind of service or advice that you think relates to, uh, to the yacht or to what Fetchip does for you. Together with K&I, we've developed a great system, which we call Polestar Remote Monitoring. Polestar. That was one of the must-haves Mark recommended for my yacht back in episode two. 
And basically what we do is we have a, a, a monitoring system and sensors on board and every technical system on your boat, which allows us to hear in the data center at headquarters of FedShip to monitor what's going on on board together with your crew. And that means that we should hopefully be able to uh, foresee if something's wrong with an, a certain system on board and prevent it from failing. Or if there's a failure, we can already together with your crew remotely assist in, in you know repairing it as soon as possible in you won't even know it. You know, uh, it's only if it's really getting complicated, then uh, we can send the team out from the Netherlands and we fly them anywhere in the world to make sure that we're waiting on the dock when the boat arrives, and then we help your crew uh, fix it on the spot. I'm a little bit curious, uh, just as an individual, you know, especially if I'm a high net worth individual uh, who values privacy uh, as a as a premium. You got all my data. Like TMZ, are they gonna? Yeah, I don't know what if with a leak or something, they're gonna know I'm on my yacht. There's been a lot of kind of horror stories yeah. about uh, people on yachts. No, that's a great question, and I think with the, the the remote monitoring program, there's two elements of privacy that are really essential. The first one is obviously your own privacy, and we want to make sure that that is secured in any possible way. As you've noticed during the the new build process, we are extremely focused on doing that. So, the data that we're collecting from your yacht is purely technical. It has nothing to do with your location or with your private activities on board. It's only temperatures, it's vibrations, it's running hours. It's the type of information that allows us to analyze the performance of the systems, but has nothing to do with your personal enjoyment of the boat. So that's a very important element. Second element is your crew and your captain may also not want us to look over their shoulders every minute. You know, it might feel a bit uncomfortable. Um, so we also need to keep that into account. And, and the main thing that is important here is that we've ensured that there's basically a switch on board which allows you or the captain to decide whether or not you want to share data with us. So it's being collected on board in a server and that server is connected to our data center here in the Netherlands. But if you decide for whatever reason that you do not want to share that data, you simply switch it off uh, and then uh, you're not sending anything to us anymore. So you keep control whether or not you want to send. Uh, however, I would strongly advise to always keep it on. That's that's clear. Yeah, the captain Alex and I are going to go, we, he's got some secret surf spots <laughs> and we don't want to share those. Not even with you guys. <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll switch it off when you go surfing. <laughs> Very good. Of course, it's good to know that my secret surf spots will remain secret. But to be honest, on this point, secret surf spots are the least of my concerns. As a newbie to yachting, and especially fully customized super yachting, I had bigger fish to fry. There's a million components on the yacht. I'm, I don't have an off-the-shelf yacht, so I'm pretty certain I don't have off-the-shelf parts to, to fix it. No. That what happens if I lose a bolt in the middle of the Mediterranean? <laughs> yeah. How does yeah. it get? How do I get a bolt? Yeah, that helps. So th 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 there's uh, there's a couple of ways that we ensure that you can replace the bolt when you need it. So first of all, the yacht leaves here with a standard package of recommended spares on board. So that will be taken care of and, and put on board before you leave to ensure that the crew can replace the single bolt if it if it uh, you know disappears during the during the trip. Um, and then second of all, the crew has access to this data set where they know that all the parts that are on board and they can actually actively source these parts with us or with the OEMs that, that uh, built the boat together with us. OEMs, original equipment manufacturers. 
Um, so that's really taken care of. Uh, in addition, we will train the crew before the yard is delivered to ensure that they are aware of the operating manuals, but also the maintenance manuals of all the specific systems on your boat. As you say, it's not off the shelf. So we will make sure that the, the crew that's on your boat is trained in specifically those systems that are also on your boat uh, so that they can take care of it. Uh, new system download. Do I just download it from the cloud like I would a computer program. How does that work? Well, it it depends on on what system you're talking about. But together with the remote monitoring system, we're obviously uh, uh, that that's a one way street. So it's just data being sent from the boat to us. Uh, but we're also uh, able with, with many of the modern systems to to plug in and to ensure that remotely we can upload uh, software upgrades should that be necessary. That's really not something that has to happen very often, and that's also something that we very carefully manage with the captain because we do not want to start meddling with the software on your boat while you're at open sea. You know, it's the type of stuff you want to do when you're in a shipyard surrounding or at least in a marina and safe and we have some time to do it. Um, that's really something I would hope that you are also not bothered with, but the crew will take care of that for you. What parts are most vulnerable? Like what, what, are, what are the parts you're like, yeah, you might want to have a, a couple spare <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. I think, you know, if we could predict exactly what uh, what will break, then uh, we'll prevent it from breaking. Uh, in general, what we should really all realize is that we're building a piece of art and then we're putting it in the most rough circumstances that you can imagine. There's always, you know, moving parts, probably like more than a million moving parts on the boat. So, so we just have to, um, in general, accept that at some point something's going to break. But, you know, most of it will be minor and the crew can take care of it. I don't think I can already predict now something that you should be concerned about. There's no, uh, no. And let, let's say I call you in the middle of the night, sorry, and I say, oh, no, this broke. What's the worst? <laughs> what would what would get you out of bed? What would you be like? Oh, push that red button. You know that red button in the corner. That's yeah. push it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm happy to say that you know that red button. You would typically uh, push in a scenario where you're afraid that the boat will sink, right? Well, that doesn't happen to fetch ships, and let's knock on wood. But I I am not aware of a fetch ship sinking other than maybe a, a hundred year old fetch ship in a in a big hurricane storm and stuff like that. But your new fetch ship will not sink. Don't worry. You'll always be safe. They are great boats to start. Is that in the contract? Do you put that this boat, this yacht will not sink uh, well based on uh, results from the past we have no uh, we have not no example of a new fat ship sinking so that's uh, that should not be your concern what your concern could be is that there's uh, an issue with the propulsion uh, but that will be taken care of by the crew typically if you're doing longer uh, stints of sailing uh, you will not be on board you'll simply fly to the boat when when the boat gets to the point of, uh, of where you want to be so the, the kind of stuff that that we are worried about is uh, uh, from a technical perspective, maybe minor issues, but from your perspective, major because they affect your enjoyment of the yacht. That's what gets me out of bed. If you call me and says, you know, the the my my bedroom uh, windows are squeaking, you know, then I start, you know, sending people over as soon as possible because you you that will affect your ability to enjoy your sleep at night, uh, and and that's when we need to respond quickly. You have two main engines. If one of them has a bit of a hiccup every now and again, we'll, we'll make sure that we fix it, and, and you won't notice it. But but if, uh, you know, if the, the table on the off deck uh, uh, is, is uh, not uh, fixed right, then we'll, then we'll need to speed up and make sure that it gets fixed so that you don't lose enjoyment time. 
And I'm starting to question whether I'm Fed chip worthy. You're talking about a squeaky door and I'm talking about my anchor falling off. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, uh, luckily we don't have anchors falling off. You know, the main stuff we have, we have coffee. Look, you're buying a great boat and, and, and that's, that's the main thing. And we are just here to make sure that it's, that it's, as perfect as we can get it. Uh, so, so all the whenever we talk about you know stuff that might go wrong, it's in it's in the area of you know your enjoyment. Now that we've covered everything from general upkeep to worst case scenarios, our conversation turns to refits. This is particularly important from a technology, electronics, and propulsion perspective. If a yacht is like a living organism that needs to evolve and survive, then the weakest link in this evolution is technology. The way I see it, a fed ship is probably more like a Fairphone than it is an iPhone. You just can't swap out your old yacht when a new technology comes along. You have to update it, you know, modularly. Hopefully the first couple of years, you will not want to change a lot uh, uh, about your yacht because you've thought well about the design process now and we've we've taken care to build the boat the way you want it. So that means the first uh, three to five years, you'll mainly be looking at general maintenance, just making sure that the technical systems on board uh, stay up to date and, and continue to run. And then after five years of ownership, that's typically the time when you need to start thinking about a bit of major maintenance. Uh, the, the class and flag also require you to do major maintenance after five years. That means you'll need to go into a, a yard period of maybe half a year. Uh, and we can organize that for you either you know, in the Mediterranean or, uh, or the USA, or you can, you can bring the boat back to FedShip and we take care of it here in the Netherlands. Pierre says FedShip has set up a services network with four renowned shipyards, one in Italy, France, Spain, and the US. This way, they don't always have to sail back to the Netherlands for routine maintenance. Do most people come back to Holland to get it done, or do they, if they're in the Mediterranean, they just say, let's stick around there? And The rule of thumb is basically the bigger the job, the more likely uh, they are to come back to the Netherlands for it. So after five years, if you're just just repainting the yacht and doing the required technical maintenance, you're well off to do it in one of our dealership locations. If by that time you've considered the yacht, you know, needs an upgrade in many other ways, perhaps you'd like a, a sustainability upgrade, uh, you know, to change some elements to make it more energy friendly or to make uh, uh, the, the fuel uh, uh, or energy uh, creation on board uh, more sustainable, then you're more likely to bring it back to the Netherlands because we're, we're better equipped here uh, together with the team of, uh, of Guido you know, to take care of those kind of more complicated refit works. If you know anything about me by this point, it's this. I started this whole adventure looking to build a hydrogen yacht. And that dream was completely shattered by a group of students who said fully hydrogen yachting is not yet feasible. But I'm not letting go of my dream that easily. What Pierre is telling me, or at least what I'm hearing, is that the moment any serious advancements take place in hydrogen propulsion, I can sail back for an engine upgrade. That's one of the main pillars that, that will drive the, the refit business of FitShip in the future. Uh, what we want to do is make sure that we apply the knowledge that we have in Guido's team in the new build, you know, which is really a knowledge powerhouse about sustainable yacht building, and use it in the refit world. And that's something that none of the other refit shipyards can do because they basically do not have this knowledge uh, in-house. We, we have it from building the new boats and we want to offer it to you during your, your lifetime enjoyment of the yacht. So what that basically means is that we have a program 
system where we can come on board, you know, at set times, perhaps I would say after two and a half years and then after five years, where we analyze all the systems on board. We call it an energy survey. And we will simply do the check, okay, are the systems that we built three to five years ago still state of the art, or could we upgrade them so that your yacht becomes even more sustainable? Uh, at the present, we are doing this with many yachts where we're changing out uh, the lighting to LED, we're changing the old generators for newer ones, we're extending battery packages, we're changing the, the air conditioning systems to become more energy efficient. All those type of upgrades are possible now, but I'm sure five years from now, we can do all kinds of different things. So we have a program where we can help you to identify the items on board that can be upgraded, and then obviously also a program to help you upgrade those uh, if and when you like. What, what, what are people asking for? I mean, I can imagine there's some outrageous requests, uh, or maybe they're simple, I don't know. True, well, well a bit of both. Uh, and, and this is really the enjoyable part of the job because it's uh, helping people make their FedShip even better, right? So, and it happens in a number of scenarios. For instance, uh, people have had their FedShip for 10 years, but then, you know, maybe the the, the family situation changes, uh, new kids or, or a younger generation takes over, and that typically trigger, you know, a bigger change to a yacht. So, for instance, this year, what we've done is we've uh, extended a yacht, added uh, a new deck to it to ensure that there was more outside space for uh, for the owner to enjoy. Uh, we've done uh, complete uh, sun deck re builds where in the past uh, uh, people would be more focused on being able to enjoy a yacht inside and now it's maybe more focused on, on enjoying it outside and having a having a party area for instance or a new gym um, but we've also uh, repowered yachts or, or put complete new you know uh, engine rooms in the yacht if it, it's uh, 20 30 years old and the, the main engines and the generators are basically at the end of their life then that's a great opportunity for a classic fetch ship to get a completely new system on board and make sure again that it's state of the art uh, also for purposes of uh, sustainability. Um, one of the things we're looking at now, and I really hope that we will be able to do soon, is to install, for instance, uh, 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 a multi-fuel uh, propulsion uh, system on board. Uh, we really depend on the technological development in that field, but as soon as, as that is uh, ready for us to use, then uh, I will do my very best to find someone that's willing to refit it on their uh, on their yacht. So it's really the, the, the opportunities are endless. Uh, every now and again, we have the great, great pleasure of stumbling across a client that purchases a 50-year-old fat ship that's almost at the end of life and gives us the opportunity to completely rebuild it to new uh, we've installed gas talking about old fed ships ripe for renewal reminds me of mira the beautiful retro cruiser being renovated in the malcolm yard the yacht that was lost and then was found well i promised you back in episode three that i would return to this story so i hop in a car and drive back to malcolm it's called mira my colleague found it on the internet so he went there, it was literally in a shed. <laughs> so um, he bought it and now we are rebuilding it, putting a, a piece of old fat ship heritage back on the waves again. This is Japka van Groning, manager of learning and development. Everyone working on the yacht, including the yacht itself, falls under Japka's responsibility. 
Yeah, we rebuild it with a very special group of people. And we also try to, to do that in a sustainable way with circular uh, materials, like old jeans for isolation material. Jeans, like in, yeah. do you gather them blue from... Jeans. Do you ask people to bring their old blue jeans to the... Well, off? maybe we could, but we buy them, they're recycled. And then we put them in the yard for isolation. But also the teak is made from rice. It's called no wood, so it's made of rice. And you talked about the people building it. Yeah. Who's involved in the... Very many different groups of people. We have students from the school, uh, the Maritime School in Snake, uh, but also from our own company training center, our own apprentices. While here at Yard already, we have 50 apprentices in Fetship uh, organization. We also have a collaboration with the prison in Leeuwarden. So also people who are in there uh, are making special parts uh, for Mira so that they can learn a craft as well, even though they are in prison. And we try to combine that with uh, education so they can get a certificate or a diploma as well. And that counts for all people who are working on this project. So we always try to learn the craft, but also try to combine that with a piece of education, a traineeship or a, a diploma or a certificate. And I mean, it's, is it a bit unorthodox yeah. to work with the prison? Very unorthodox. It hasn't happened before. Uh, so when we were at Fetship and we tried to start the collaboration, then it, it, it uh, appeared in the papers <laughs> and we got a lot of uh, reactions from inside and outside. Everybody was asking, why would you do that? Well, that's because we think prisoners are people as well. And they have a beautiful woodwork shop in prison so they can uh, do woodwork there. So we thought, well, why not? Let's try. And it's successful. They are making uh, some kinds of uh, special parts of furniture uh, for Mira. It's an unusual way to find young talent and new talent, but it's, it's really cool. But the question <coughs> is, has anybody kind of graduated and joined the, the Fedship team yet? I think some have, but all have work now. If they aren't in prison, of course. Yeah. But all the people who came to the project and get experience in the craftsmanship have a job now. Even those people who have been very long out of the uh, process of working. So it's very successful. As a yacht, Mira isn't that big, but she's got beautiful fast lines and smells of fresh wood. She sits quietly and even contemplatively in this low ceiling bunker. And I guess the best way to describe her is she's got charisma. I'm curious, what makes it a fed ship? In my, in my head, a fed ship is 100 meters. I'm thinking big, but then I'm coming here and it's, it, clearly it's a beautiful yacht. It yeah. has lines and stuff, but, but does it have any characteristics that you say, this is fed ship? How did you recognize it on the internet? because it has very special features that are special for old fat ships. Yeah. Well, it's the craftsmanship uh, that makes it a fat ship, and we all try to do more than our best of making it. This is Johan Fenema, project leader of Mira. He is all hands-on. He's got a scruffy beard and sports those crazy safety goggles on his head, and he's been working on Mira this whole time. And he enthusiastically joins our conversation the moment we start diving into the details. So together with uh, pupils, students, interns, uh, yeah, we try to build this. So the big question, is it easier to rebuild an old fed ship or build a new one? Well, if you have a project like this, this is easier because there is no plan and as we make it, we make it. And in the beginning we had uh, the steering in the front 
and we didn't like that. So then we changed it and we rechanged it and rechanged it. And that's, that's all to us. It's about uh, the creativity that uh, is in you, that comes out now, that's completely out because you are free in doing. What are you going to do with it? Like usually you build for owners and you kind of know you have a plan. I just heard you don't have a plan. We don't know yet, but first we want to rebuild it better than it ever was. So you get an original fat ship with uh, the modern uh, techniques aboard. So that's our first goal. And then we'll see. We don't know yet. Have you learned anything on this rebuild that you're like, maybe that's something good for your own yacht, John? Uh, Well, think about sustainable methods of building and think about the beautiful old lines of the yacht you might use in your new one. So a bit of a retro yacht. I think that would be very nice instead of the very modern things we also can do. Okay, we're speaking the same language. I think we're, <laughs> I, I am interested in having blue jeans for insulation. Yeah. Is, that, is that a good solution? I think so, yes. So I should invite all my friends to donate their old jeans. Yeah, you could. Then you have something on your, of your own on the inside. Uh, it gives a little story inside, right? <laughs> yeah. And everybody's got, yeah. A while ago, I, sat, I visited some technical university Delft students. Yeah. They showed me uh, their hydrogen-powered yacht. You know, are you doing anything like that here with this? Yes, of course. Uh, we will try a new uh, fuels for this yacht as well. So we cannot build the old uh, engines back in. So we want to try a new system on this one. So that also has to be circular and green. Uh, you're being a little bit secretive about what system. What system uh, uh, is it? We don't know yet, so okay. we can try and find that out with the students of uh, many different schools. So they can uh, help us by deciding which one it will be. Johan leads the way as we climb up and enter Mira. Okay, so we're, we've climbed inside. We're, we're inside the yacht. Again, Inside After, on the outside. Inside outside. It's 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 got a it's got an inside outside look yeah, to it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just just a manageable yacht. Uh, it is. It is very manageable yacht. It is a forty six feet yacht. I have a feeling though it's going to be used as a tender in my own yacht, right? That's yeah, something like that. Okay. What are we looking at? What well, are we're looking at the well. It, it is the outside. You can sit here with several people, have a beer, do fishing, whatever. And 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 on the inside, we're going to build. But of course, a toilet, yeah. a little kitchen, couches. There you see the material of the, the, the jeans that is used for the insulation. Oh, yeah. In the front, there is a double bed, a fee bed. It's funny, I thought the jeans would look like jeans. They've, just, <laughs> they've been recycled and they're just they, insulation plates. Uh, yeah, insulation plates. Packages. Yeah, okay. How many people fit comfortably on this? What's, what, what, how do you envision this yacht? Well, I, I think with four people, it's, it's, it's comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And you sit with nice weather, of course, you can have more friends over and, and, and have a nice tour over the water. Yeah. And how did you get the job? How did you get the job of doing this? <laughs> well, how do I get the job? Well, I'm, I'm been asked. I've been asked. I, I, I'm a creative man. So, yeah, all, all my creativity, uh, I can get rid of in this. I mean, you're teaching people yeah. creativity. Is that yeah. hard to teach? Yeah, if you look at the change of how, how craftsmanship is gone, in the old days we had all kinds of shapes in, in cupboards and stuff like that, but now it's all IKEA. It is straight, straight, straight. So in here we have to do it in, in, in corners, in curves. So yeah, that, that, that is a lot of challenge. So basically this yacht is the intersection between craftsmanship and creativity. Yeah, 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 completely, completely. 
In the big scheme of things, the Mirror Project is tiny. To FedShip, a 12-meter retro cruiser is child's play. Yet, when you walk through the yard, you see pictures of Mirror hanging everywhere. And I get the feeling Mirror taps into something deeper. That this small yacht, so much more human in scale, is simply something people can relate to. It is a reminder to everyone in the yard that size doesn't really matter. Creativity does. In the next episode, we check in with the TU Delft students to see how they fared in their green energy race. They did have some trouble with it. (laughs) And uh, I think we had some very good conversations there as well to also see how, how they see the future. And Tano is finally going to reveal the design of my own bedship. And then we go all the way downstairs and going underneath the foredeck. What would you? What is the first deck? This is I the should lower know deck. this by now. It's just the lower deck. The lower deck. Is there nothing sexier it's than lower not, deck? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the coolest lower deck there is. It's the coolest <laughs> lower deck. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I finally get to see my yacht. And even though it might never actually get built, I will receive a blueprint with my name on it and I will have a yacht designed to ferry me to the world's best waves. You definitely don't want to miss this. Join me next time for Episode 7 of Fedship Uncovered.